CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. Again, that's 1 888 Ask CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We get together every weekday at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical perspective, as well as what we hear in church. Uh, is it even in the Bible at all? You know, so much of the stuff that's being taught today uh, is made up. And, uh, you know, um, you know, people a lot of times say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you just believe something. Friends, That is a big lie. Uh, It makes all the difference in the world. And what you believe, what you put your hope in, is how you live your life. And I believe this is why it's so important. As Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you got a question, maybe you've been reading your Bible, come across something you don't understand, uh, someone's asked you a question, that number to call. we got some lines open, 88 88 ask CSN is the number call. You can be part of the program today. Joining me today, special guest Scott Parker from Festus, St. Louis, Missouri, Calvary Chapel. Hi, and welcome. Hi, Mike. It's great to be with you today. Look forward to answering some questions with you and uh, all the things going on the last couple of weeks of uh, 2023. Got uh, some praise reports here I want to let everybody know about. You know, we really do. Uh, I really do want to see the gospel get out as much as we can. I mean, I believe that we are living in the last days. You know, a lot of people say that, and and uh, I don't know if they really mean it or not, but I just want to give you a list here of uh, almost 10 stations here that we just turned on in the last, uh, last uh, 30 days. So if you know anybody living in the area, call them and tell them that we're on the air and they can listen uh, the hope is on the way. And so I'll just read some of these off to you. Uh, Elmira, New York on 88.9. Kanakee, Illinois, 90.3. Pontiac, Illinois, 89.5. Quincy, Illinois, uh, 89.7. Terre Haute, Indiana, 91.3. Okito, Kansas, 88.7. Franklin, Nebraska, 90.1. Grand Island, Nebraska, 89.5. And Meridian, Mississippi, at 88.7. If you know anybody in those areas, and I'll I'll read this to you all this week because I think it's so important to let people know that um, we're busy trying to build as many stations as we can in these days that we live in. And so uh, literally... uh, tens, hundreds of thousands of people added uh, to uh, the CSN family in the last 30 days. And again, I want to thank everybody that makes that possible that you uh, share and pray for us and and, uh, donate to us to help us build these stations so more people can hear about Jesus. I think that's so important in the days that we're in and as the Bible says, to be about our father's business. Again, 88, Mm -hmm. 88, ask CSN is the number to call. we got some lines open if you want to be part of the program today. But with that, and Scott, we ought to just go ahead and go yes. to the phones. We have Anna. Let's do it. St. Louis, Missouri, not too far from you. Hi, and welcome, Anna. <laughs> Hi. 
Yes. Um, yesterday, my pastor was talking about how the devil has to kind of get permission from God to do whatever it is he does. And I said, I was talking to my mom about the service yesterday, and she goes, okay, well, that kind of makes sense, but why is God, you know, allowing, you know, me to be stabbed today? Or why is, you know, the building falling on me? I mean, why does God allow that? Well, I think it's a great question, and you'll find your answer in the book of Job, as a matter of fact. Now, it isn't that any of these things happen to us because God's a ghoulish God saying, boo how about eating a lightning bolt today? But God knows what he wants to bring out in us, whether it be faith building or whether it be that um, to, to prove that God, what he says is true. Now, God knew that Job would come out victorious in the end. I think Job went through a tremendous um, set of events that I'm not so sure that many people today aren't going through those same kind of events today. But I know in the long run, if a person belongs to God, God has allowed it. And this is what where we get this. Remember, the devil is still God's devil. The devil cannot do whatever he wants to do. He would have killed us all a long time ago if he could have. So I believe the the devil can only do as much as God allows him to do. And so I know then that people will say, and part of your question is, is then why do I go through the suffering I'm going through if God is the one that has allowed this? But again, I believe it is through the trials and through the valleys that we go through that we grow in our relationship with God. And we all know whatever we're going through today is preparing us for what's in the future. Now, that could be a terror for some, but can also be recognized training as well. I'm sure anybody that goes into boot camp and you hear these stories about the grueling things that they have to go through, crawling under barbed wire on their belly and, and uh, all these different things that go on. But it's training for the real battle as the battles will get tougher as we go along. And I, I believe that. And so as we see the faithfulness of God getting us through, whatever it is the devil wants to do to us, and remember, the devil wants to destroy all of us. Whatever the devil wants to do, God builds that faith into us. And we don't just wake up one morning with abounding faith. I believe faith is grown. Now, there is the gift of faith, but I find that generally speaking, that gift of faith is usually used for others, as almost all the gifts of the Spirit are, except for maybe the gift of tongues to build yourself up in the most holy faith. However, but when you're built up, then you build up your brethren. But it seems that the rest of the gifts are really for other people. So I, I believe that gift of faith sometimes comes through others when we're down, when we're when we're really straining. Uh, somebody will come up, and they're going through things even worse than we're going through, saying, hey, God's going to see us through. And you're going, wow, how do you do that? Well, that's God working in them. But when it comes to trials that we go through, I do believe it builds us up. Your thoughts? Mike, I totally agree with you. And just to let you know, too, I happen to be that pastor that said that yesterday in church. Hi, Anna. <laughs> it's good to uh, talk to you and have you call in today. And, um, you know, Mike, the, the context of what I was talking about yesterday is uh, actually there in um, 
Revelation chapter 9, where it's Jesus who gives to that angel, who most likely is Satan, gives him the key to the bottomless pit to open it up to allow those demons like locusts to sting the people and to hurt, hurt the people during the tribulation period for five months. And the point I was making was is just the fact that that authority for Satan or for those demons uh, to hurt those people in the tribulation for five months came from God. That And, and so I was talking uh, from there about exactly what you said, Mike, about Job, uh, where Satan and the sons of God had to present themselves, uh, and especially Satan had to present himself to God to give to give his whereabouts and his activities of what he was doing. And then even in the New Testament, we see the same thing where Jesus tells Peter that Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He says, uh, and he has asked for you. That word desire means to ask. He's he's actually asked for you, uh, asked permission to do this to you. And Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. And uh, so I would, the point I was making there yesterday was when it comes to God's people, everything that we face that comes from the, the, the devil or from the enemy uh, is filtered through the hands of our Father, that it's God who allows those things to happen. It's God. It's not God who makes them happen, but he allows them to happen. And uh, and he even uses uh, Satan for his own purposes, ultimately. And ultimately, Satan will give an account to God uh, for eternity for everything that he's done. Um, so uh, that was the context of that. But I would say this, too. Mike, I, I loved how you explained all that. I thought it was great. And um, another point I would make is just this, is that not, Anna, not all evil uh, that happens in the world is is caused by the devil directly, okay? Uh, there used to be a comedian years and years ago, um, you know, called, uh, his name was Flip Wilson, and he had a famous saying that anytime he did something wrong, the devil made me do it, you know? <laughs> and uh, we call that Flip Wilson theology, that every bad thing that happens and every bad decision somebody makes, all the devil made them do it. That's not the case, um, because in this world we live in, because of man's sin against God, Death has come into the world because of sin. That was a choice that Adam made, okay, that has affected us all. And because of that choice he made, the whole creation, the whole world, and all of humanity has been affected uh, by that choice. And now we have sin in the world. We have evil in the world. And so what you see is a lot of times um, the reason someone gets stabbed to death uh, is not so much it was a direct result of Satan telling somebody to do it or making them do it. It was their own evil hearts. And uh, so I think it's important to remember that after the fall of man and as man began to procreate and multiply on the earth, my goodness, when you come to Genesis chapter 6, uh, that early on in human history and in Bible history, you see that that it says – that the thoughts and the intents of man's heart was on evil continually. And it got so bad there that God destroyed all of humanity except for Noah and his family. So we have to understand that we live in a sin-cursed world. And because of that, uh, there are natural disasters and natural things that happen. And also because of that, uh, because the heart of man has been affected, uh, men do evil things to other people. Um, now, is it all ultimately go back to – does it all ultimately go back to Satan? Yeah, he committed the first sin in heaven, rebelling against God, comes – you know, is, is cast down to the earth. 
and then goes after mankind and motivates mankind to to uh, attempts and motivates mankind to rebel against God. Uh, so, you know, yeah, in that way, we could say he's responsible for it. But you have to remember, uh, as humans, we all make our own choices and then our choices make us. And so I think it's important to understand that not all evil that happens to every person is a direct result of Satan himself making people do this or the direct result of them being demon-possessed or anything like that. Listen, apart from Christ and without a man being regenerated by the Holy Spirit through faith in the gospel, men are evil. They're just plain evil. In fact, Jesus said – he said that when he said – if if you evil fathers, you fathers being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those uh, who are his children? So um, it's very interesting. And then also, I also remember, too, in, in Luke 13, uh, there was a couple instances where Jesus pointed out some some things that had happened to some people. Uh, like in Siloam, there was a tower that fell and 18 people died. And Jesus says, well, do you think those people were worse sinners than the others? No, he said this was just something that happened, you know. Um, so I think we have to remember that, that we live in a sin-cursed world, and men's hearts, uh, apart from Christ, they really are evil. And that's why we need to be born again. Mike? Well, yeah, and we have to remember, too, that, that um, you know, Satan, when you become a Christian, you're under God's protection. And yes. it's different. You know, people ask the question about the story of Job— well, what about um, Job's children that were having a party? The roof caved in, killed them all. Um, there is a blessing in belonging to God. Now, we remember the Bible says that Job would regularly make offerings for his children, which means that they were not making the offerings for themselves, which means that they were not right with God. Now, again, I do believe the believing parent has a great influence in in a child's life no matter whether they're whether they're uh, 6 months old or or 50 years old to me it doesn't make any difference i mean your your mom is still your mom your dad is still your dad but when the when, but the bible clearly says that that uh, job made intercession made sacrifices for his children which means they were not doing it they were not under the full protection of god they were killed. Uh, I see people all the time in the world, not under the protection of God, that are killed. And I really want to, uh, and can't stress enough, there's more to being a Christian than apple pie in the sweet by and by. There is a protection that God extends to us as his children that protect us. Now, without going through trials, without going through the temptations, and alike what Job went through, first of all, we would not develop our faith, we would not realize what God is capable of delivering us from, and we would not be aware of really the great reward in the end of being and remaining faithful to God. And this is what happened to Job, how God multiplied many times over what he had in the beginning. Now, when somebody say, yeah, but what about his children? That's God's issue. You see, when we have to understand that outside of the family of God, 
the devil, you're you're open territory. I've had people say, "Well, I, I'm not a Christian, and I'm I don't go to the occult. You know, I I'm neutral." What did Jesus say about that? You're either for me or you're against me. And if you're against him, if you're not for him, you're not under the divine protection of God. And because of that, I believe that uh, the devil wants to destroy you. In fact, as we were talking right before we went on the radio uh, and and thereafter, um, talking about how Satan was asking for Peter by name to sift him. Now, what goes on in sifting? There's a grinding that happens and a tossing in the air that happens in sifting wheat. Satan wanted to grind him and wanted to toss him. That's the way the devil works. But Jesus said, but I prayed for you. And I love that. We have an intercessor with the Father. So it isn't just eternal life, which is a wonderful, amazing gift. But it's also divine protection and that your footsteps are ordered by the Lord. Job's children didn't have that. And we find this all the way through life. Those that are called by the name of Christ are blessed. Hope that helps, Anna. Oh, yes, it does. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Stay in line. We got a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. Um, Share them with your friends this Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you. Let's go to Don. New Orleans, hi, welcome. Hey, Mike. Uh, I've been. Uh, I, this is uh, this is the third time I think I've called in. Uh, I called one time from Arizona, and now I'm in New Orleans. Uh, I uh, I was under Chuck Smith uh, back in 1973, so I've known the Lord for a while. And um, I taught a Bible study at the shipyard that I worked at, and. Uh, I was also a uh, care leader in a church for nine years. I taught a Bible study once a month. And I've always believed that, you know, that is the whole, as, as I learned from Chuck, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. We don't need any man to teach us. The Holy Spirit is what teaches us. Uh, now I'm in a church here in New Orleans, and the pastor has asked me to come alongside him and assist him when he's away, uh, mm-hmm. me and, and a couple others. And he's given us this book to read that says how to read the Bible for all it's worth. And I came across something that was, I thought it was kind of disturbing. It, it says um, it says that uh, it was talking about women praying in the church, and it says... Uh, but the first passage is highly suspect as being anything Paul wrote, since it is the only place in the entire transmission of Scripture that a passage like this occurs in two different places, in the Greek manuscripts and most likely brought in as a marginal gloss from someone who was not quite satisfied with Paul's affirmation of women praying and prophesying in worship. And that's what kind of disturbed me on this book. Okay, what, what, what verse is it? The Bible that I've been reading my for 50 years, now I've got this book telling me that part of what, I, uh, what I've been reading was not written by Paul. I, I, I don't know. That kind of what, what verse are you speaking of here? Um. 
it's from the book that he that he gave me to uh, that he gave me to uh, read. It's from the it's from well the, the Bible book. doesn't. It, it, it's very clear in the Bible that there were wonderful women of God all the way through the Bible. Um, the only thing Paul says is he wouldn't allow a woman to usurp uh, the authority, and therefore there were weren't really any women preachers, Old Testament or New Testament, that we find. So if we follow what's called biblical consistency, you don't find women priestesses in the Old Testament, nor women pastors in the New Testament. Now, does that mean they don't have something to say? Absolutely they do. And I believe if a woman is under biblical authority, not trying to be the senior pastor, but being, as an example, sent out. I know many women missionaries that they're the only Christian voice uh, in in a particular village over in Africa that we that we for many years supported. She was the only Christian voice that was there. Thank God that she was sent out and and the gospel was preached. The usurping of authority is setting the direction, I believe, of the congregation. Paul says it is not a gender issue, uh, or maybe I should say it's not a cultural issue. It is a gender issue. Because he doesn't say because of the way the Romans and Greek view women. No, it doesn't say that. It says that Eve was deceived by Satan. There are many many false priestesses and prophets in the, in in these organizations today you have Mary Baker Eddy and you have Ellen G White and you have these different ones that bring an idea thoughts completely completely contrary to what the word of god says to say that the worshiping on sunday is the mark of the beast um totally ridiculous the Bible says it's a mark on your hand or on your forehead. Well, she says that's to that's because that's what you think with your head and what you do with your hands. Well, how is that any different in the tribulation period than it was 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago or since man has been on this planet? Man's problem has always been what he thinks and what he does. That's not what it's talking about. The worship of, uh, of the Lord on Sunday was practiced by the early church. Read Acts chapter 20. When they came together and broke bread, speaking of communion, that, that, this idea that, oh, Constantine in 325 uh, AD changed it from Saturday. No, he didn't. The Sabbath is Saturday. The Lord's Day is Sunday. Now, if you want to worship on Saturday, praise God. If you want to worship on Sunday, praise God. But worshiping on Sunday is not the mark of the beast, but that was brought out by a woman misleading a group of people. Now, when we understand these things, I believe that the I think women are more sensitive to spiritual things than men are. I just think they're more sensitive, period. But it appears from what Paul is saying that they have trouble discerning the origin of where that voice is coming from. And this is why he says, I would not permit a woman to usurp a man's authority. Again, um, and again, people say, well, where else is that in the Bible? Uh, The entire Bible, by the way, 
You don't find any women priests. Well, what about Deborah in the Old Testament? I'm glad you brought that up. She was not a priest. She was not a pastor. She was a judge. Like a, like a, uh, uh, we have today, like a governor. It doesn't say she was a priest. She didn't administer the things of God. So when we look at the, the, the uh, scriptural consistency, that's what we come up with. Your thoughts. Yeah, Mike. And I also just noticed, too, uh, that one of the authors of that book, I guess the main author, Gordon Fee, he is actually uh, an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God denomination. And uh, I know the Assemblies of God, you know, do recognize uh, women as pastors and co-pastors and um, and and speak, um, you know, and, and in a way that I believe is unbiblical and taking authority over men. Um, in churches and such. So um, it's it's not surprising that in that book that would kind of lean that way. So I did find that out while you were talking, Mike. Yeah, and, and I, I, I do believe that uh, women, we, uh, we had a, a missionary couple from our, from our fellowship and uh, they were over in Israel. And, um, uh, you know, Robin and Mitch Mingo, who uh, was over been over in Israel doing things. They were on the air last night as well. And she shared quite a bit about how God was using them over there. Praise God. That's great. It doesn't mean that a woman cannot speak in church. Now, when the Bible talks about uh, women need to be quiet in church, that is because even today, men go to one place in the temple, women go to the other. And oftentimes, either they're asking their husband, what does he mean by that? Or they're in the back cackling about the latest sale down at the down at the farmer's market. Uh, this was just to correct disruption. It doesn't mean that women don't have something to say in church and provide. And and the, the Bible says the elder women are to teach the younger women. Certainly the children and all the other things that, that go on in the church. Uh, uh, churches would be pretty anemic if it wasn't for that wonderful, uh, loving woman's hand in the church. It just talks about them setting the course of the church. Now, they will wrongfully sometimes say, well, what about the verse where there's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond or free, male or female? That is talking about when we come to Christ. But when we come to the leadership of the church, that is not what that's talking about. And it's very clear. And again, not only do you have that there written that you're speaking about, but we also have what's called, again, biblical consistency. You don't find any women priests in the Old Testament or pastors, nor in the New Testament as well. So I hope that answers it for you. And everyone, we're coming up on a break and we're going to have a whole lot more coming back right after this. It all came down to the ultrasound, and I saw this little lima bean-looking thing with a halo. When this mom came to a preborn center, a baby wasn't really in her plans. And I got to hear the heartbeat, and I got chills. In that moment, I just felt God's arms come around me and hug me and tell me that it was going to be okay. After hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her baby on ultrasound, this mom's plans changed. My choice to become a mom, hear those little footsteps running down the hallway every morning, 
morning is all because I had an ultrasound. It saved my life and hers. When an expected mother meets her baby on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to choose life. Preborn's network of clinics are the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country and have rescued over 270,000 babies. To learn how you can rescue a baby's life, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Welcome me back to part two of Terry Man Answer here on this Monday afternoon with Scott Parker. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. We are speaking with Don, and uh, again, uh, I, I hope that answers it for you, Don. Well, the only thing that bothered me is uh, a book saying that something was uh, put in by someone other than Paul in the Bible. I, you know, that's like, uh, you know, I mean. Your I thoughts on that? It. Your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, uh, we know Paul wrote, you know, three quarters of the New Testament. Um, so I would have a very difficult time uh, with somebody saying that someone else interjected um, something into Paul's writings or, um, you know, or into one of the apostles' writings that we have. I mean, there's 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 no evidence of that. We have we have so many manuscripts, ancient manuscripts, that we can put together the whole New Testament. That's that's how we have it. Um, and uh, you know, there's there's no evidence of that at all. So I mean, that would be all I could, I could say about that. I would uh, just be very careful. Uh, you know, a lot of times I think, uh, Mike, I think sometimes uh, some people's scholarship makes them a little mad. <laughs> well, and, and and here's the other problem with it. This is why I have to reject that. Um, and, and everybody has an opinion. And, and, uh, but I, I don't, when it comes to the Bible, I don't want to really rely on opinion. I, I really want to rely on what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I read what Paul says, as he writes to Timothy, this young minister, uh, concerning proper order in the church, leadership in the church, women not being pastors and all. Um, What does the rest of the Bible say about that? You don't find it in the rest of the Bible. You don't find women pastors, as we said before the break, in the Old Testament, 
priestesses or whatever, or in the New Testament. So I've got to say that Paul's writing is in line and consistent with the rest of what the Bible says. And does somebody say, well, that was just added in because that's really not what the Bible teaches, yet there's no other scriptural evidence for that. I would say that person has added things. They're adding things uh, to God's word by even making a suggestion to that. And I think that's a dangerous thing to do. So I hope that helps. Kind of arrogant to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did help. You guys helped a lot, and I appreciate it very much. And and uh, generally speaking, I mean, I uh, I love the Assembly of Gods. I, I I speak at Assembly of God churches, uh, and and all. Uh, and I, I don't always know everything, and I suppose that for any denomination, you have to understand that. Uh, and and it, it, I think sometimes it depends on the way they want to say, well, the woman was sent out under our authority. Um, uh, I still believe that it should be a male that sets the direction for a congregation wherever they're located. That is the biblical Outline and protocol, period. Now, I know that, you know, um, maybe some people don't like that. I'm sorry. You show me in the Bible where there was a woman pastor in the Old Testament or New, and and I'll be glad to uh, modify my stance. But I don't find that anywhere. We find Priscilla and Aquila, both ministers. But again, Priscilla not being the senior pastor of a church. So, Hope that helps. Now, by the way, for a church like Assemblies to call women pastors, I don't think that's wrong necessarily because they are to pastor the younger women. That's biblical. That is right. And so if they want to wear that title to denote that they're in a position of leadership, praise God. That's great. That's biblical. To say they're the senior pastor of the church you won't find that in the Bible. Um, you'll find no examples. So I think that's something of concern that we need to be aware of. Now, not every assembly believes that way. Uh, not every not every um, individual. And this is one of the things, you know, people are going, well, what's the best church? What's Yeah, I got to go and find out where the person is at in the relationship with God, how well they know the word, do they teach the Bible, all those things are, I believe, what make a good church. And it comes in many shapes, forms, denominations, uh, never personally in the cults. Uh, but you'll you'll find, I, I found um, some old line denominational churches on fire for the Lord, great fellowship, wonderful. I found, I found churches that carry some of the newer names, uh, um, even Calvary Chapel, doctrine is in the stratosphere. Uh, completely crazy. So it it there's there's not just the name brand. It has to deal with that minister that we find. And, and it's interesting in Revelation chapters two and three, you find Jesus writing to the messengers, to the pastors, uh, to the Anglican, those that were preaching the word, um, different uh, rebukes and different encourages encouragements to different ones. It wasn't one shoe fits all. And again, I believe that's because in different churches, in different places, there are areas we all need. Myself, all of us need to improve on. And so I I, I just continually, uh, as the Bible says, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We want to be about his business. 
And again, we have the entirety of God's word to bring us to what normal biblical doctrine is. Don, I hope that helps. That does, Mike. And you guys have a great, wonderful Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. Amen. Amen. Jesus came the first time, and I can't wait till he comes back and gets us the second time. <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we're all looking for. We're looking for the upper taker. Don, stay in line, send you out some books, DVDs. Man. Pastor asked you to teach there. I would take that advantage. And uh, again, uh, always a good thing to just uh, teach him God's word. Yeah. So important. And Mike, you, yes. you know, also, you know, also too, First Corinthians chapter seven, or I'm sorry, chapter eleven. You know, Paul made it very clear that women can pray in public in church. Amen. They can they can prophesy in church. I mean, you know, they, teach they, other they women can also all kinds of things. Te- teach other women, give testimony, and and you know what? As we talked about before, you know, on the mission field, you know what? If there's not a man. Then praise God for the women. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and women wouldn't have, you know, women wouldn't have to take over leadership roles or feel the need to, uh, if more men would do the job to the plate. That's exactly right. Yeah. I think that's why Deborah, that's why Deborah took the leadership in Israel because there was a guy by the name of Barak who wouldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so this, well, it's the same and, in church. And, and you too. know what else is interesting too is the first, first people that preached that Jesus had rose from the dead was not men. It was no, women. women. Mm-hmm. And they came and said, we see him, he's risen. And they couldn't believe, the men wouldn't believe him. So, no, I, I, I believe women have a great, great importance in the church. And without them, I think uh, church would be horribly, horribly anemic. So, Don, hope that helps. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, DVDs, and uh, perhaps it'll even help you as you... Uh, Share with those people there that God loves so much. Let's go to Alan, Lawn, Texas. Hi and welcome. Hello, uh, Pastor Mike and Pastor Scott. Boy, you guys do amazing works. Giving God all the glory. Thank you. God's good. I've <laughs> um, got a question in the Old Testament. The Israelites were grumbling and they wanted a king. God gave them Saul. And from there out, the uh, prophets were speaking uh God was speaking to the prophets, and the prophets would give that information to the kings. But with Solomon, with so much wisdom, I don't ever read where he consulted a prophet or he had a prophet. Did did he have a prophet at all? Your thoughts? Well, Alan, that is a great question. Now, we do know this. We do know from 1 Kings chapter 3 that early on that Solomon had this direct access to God because God came to him. And actually told him, ask me whatever you want. Because Solomon, being a young man, was like, Lord, I don't know how to go in and out and shepherd your people. I, I, don't, I need help. And uh, so, he, if, as you know, he asked for wisdom. And so God gave him that wisdom, plus gave him riches and all the other things he didn't, he didn't ask for in honoring him for asking for the right thing. So we do know um, that early on in Solomon's life, he had uh, he had a relationship with the Lord like that. Now, by the time you come to First Kings chapter eleven, things have changed drastically, where Solomon has brought in idolatry into the nation to please his multiple wives. Um, it's interesting because there in First Kings uh, three it says Solomon loved the Lord. Then when you come to First Kings eleven, it says and Solomon loved many foreign women. 
So his, the love of his heart changed from the Lord, uh, to these women. Now, what we know about the prophets is this. We know that Nathan, who was a prophet to his father, David, was alive at that time, uh, at least at the beginning of his reign. And he was the one who actually presided over his anointing as king. So Nathan was there as a prophet to be able to, to, uh, consult Solomon early on. And then also, if you look in first Kings 11, there's a, there's a prophet by the name of Ahijah. Uh, and he is, he was from the area of Shiloh. And so he prophesied, uh, during that time that Solomon was, was king too. So it wasn't that he didn't have, um, a voice from the Lord through the prophets. It's just not recorded, uh, as you said, you know, that, that he ever consulted them. And, um, early on, it was probably because he had a great relationship with the Lord. Then later on, it was probably his pride. Um, but you know, God always, always has a way of making sure that we have access to his word and, uh, which makes us accountable for that. And so Solomon, um, uh, through his idolatry and listening to his wives and loving his wives more than the Lord, uh, actually, you know, fell away from the Lord and, and drove the, the country into idolatry, which was horrible. And the result of that was the kingdom was divided uh, after that. So, Mike? Yeah, hope that helps. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah, God bless you. And, and uh, you know, again, um, Solomon is an interesting person um, mm-hmm. but uh, that we find in the Bible. Um, but I, I, I believe at the end of his life, he, he recanted for much of what he'd done. Uh, and, and so, uh, we look at this and when you look at uh, Ecclesiastes, it's so, such a Jewish book written by a person from a satirical standpoint, you know, vanity, vanity, all is vanity for nothing, for nothing. All is for nothing is what he's saying. It is true apart from God. This world, we're here like a vapor, Paul says, and then we're gone. And what we do, the only thing we do for God is the only thing that's eternal that's going to last and where we're going to end up forever. And so when you look at this, I think you have this honest um, perspective from Solomon in the Bible concerning the true lostness. I don't know if that's a word. If it isn't, it needs to be one. Lost of an unregenerated human being. How lost they really are. Vanity, vanity. All is vanity. What an empty thing. And you know, I remember, it's funny, I remember in my seventh grade Sunday school class on a Sunday morning, I was leaning back in a folding chair, and I remember the Sunday school teacher reading that to us out of the Bible. And I distinctly remember saying to myself, Man, what kind of a sadist wrote this? But you know, as you get older in life and you look at your friends, you look at the high school reunion pictures and all of a sudden you realize that many of the people you went to school with are dead. And you begin to realize those words, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. You realize what a short life this is. And without doing something for God, your life was wasted, completely wasted. And I believe this is why, because I've actually had people say, why is some of Solomon's books even canonized in the scripture? It's because it's honest. It's true. It is a real perspective of the lostness of human beings apart from Christ. He had it all. He had money. 
He had wealth. He had brains. He had women. He had it all. And to make a statement, vanity, vanity, all is vanity? Well, you might not understand that at 20 years old or 11 years old like I was, or maybe even at 50 years old, but there'll be a time in your life where you're going to realize in life, hey, we're here but a short time, and then we're gone. Everybody exists forever somewhere. Where will you spend eternity? That's why the Bible says today is the appointed day of salvation. It's only through Jesus Christ, not through a religion, good works. It's by accepting what he's done for us on the cross, clothing ourselves in his righteousness, and being about our Father's business. Hey, Jesus did it all. All I can do is just by doing something great for God is saying, God, this is what you've done for me. I want to do it for somebody else. Start laying up for yourself some treasure in heaven. So important. Alan, hope that helps. Amen. Thanks for the explanations, Greg. Great job, guys. God bless you, Alan. Thanks so much for the call. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Doug, California. Hello. Yes, hi. Welcome. Oh, hi. Great. Good to hear from you or speak to you. Yes, you too. How can we help? I was asking about some of the spiritual gifts that are, okay, this is in a group of uh, other believers I really respect, and then I got thrown a, a curve. And it's been going on, and I've been praying about it and and just asking God to reveal, you know, help me understand why, you know, that, especially in tongues, okay, in a prayer group, and the leader, who knows the Bible really well, knows everything, is very seasoned, he's speaking, and it seems like he wishes everybody else would speak during the prayer. Mm-hmm. And I read up about it. I know that Paul exhorted everybody that he had to give to tongues, but he only did it when he was alone. And it was a way of speaking to God more intimately. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I'm wondering, like, why is, you know, and then and I read, he also said that you shouldn't do it. And, you know, in a group, it doesn't edify others. And that um, you should do it when there's an interpreter, which has happened once before with me back in 98 where it was just at the end of worship and somebody said something in tongues and then another person interpreted it right away, which I thought, okay, this is, that's right on. Okay. But now this is going, you know, for week to week and it's like, it's wearing, wearing on me. And I'm just like, this isn't right. It can't be right. I don't know. You know, I mean, I believe that's a gift, but it's just the, the usage is like, I don't understand. Doug, if it's in a, if it's in a Bible study, situation, that's a little bit different. Uh, But if it's in a congregational meeting, Paul says two or at the most three, and then let one explain what they're doing. Not to translate to another language. That word there, let two or at the most three speak and let one interpret. The word interpret in the Greek is the word to explain fully what is going on not to translate to another language. Now, in, in going back to first occurrence in the Bible, we talked about biblical consistency. We also want to talk about first occurrence. First occurrence in the Bible, Acts chapter 2, they were praying in other tongues. These men are drunk, they said, with wine. And yet they said, how can it be? There's only, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. And Peter stands up with the interpretation, not translating what they're saying, but explaining what they're doing. These men are not drunk with wine is where you think, but they are filled with the Spirit. 
And this is which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Your young men will dream, dream. Your old men see this. And he goes on and he begins to explain what this is that is happening. Now, if it says, if someone prays in an unknown tongue, if someone prays singularly, let them pray that they may interpret. That word means to change to another language. That's where that one means. But Paul says in a group of people, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I would rather speak five words that you understand than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. Now, is it possible that people are ministered to by somebody speaking in a tongue in a congregational meeting? Well, I think this is why Paul says two or at the most three. Why does he say that? Good question. Let's go back. First occurrence. How is it that we hear them speaking, every one of them, in our hometown dialect, literally is what the book of Acts says. And they were speaking the Parthians and all the, these different languages that they heard. They understood what they were saying, the, and they were worshiping and glorifying God. So I believe this is why the exclusion for two or at the most three, because there might be somebody multilingual in a congregation, perhaps a non-believer, that would hear them speaking with exact verbiage, language, that they understand worshiping and glorifying God. But he also goes on and says, but if everybody in the church is doing it, they're going to walk away, those that are visiting, and say you're mad. And that's exactly what these hyper-Pentecostal churches do to people when they come looking for Jesus and they they uh, they 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 just see a whole congregation um, uh, praying in tongues? The Bible says don't do it. Why do they do it? I don't know. I don't know why a lot of people do the things they do when the Scripture is so clear not to do it. Your thoughts? Yeah, and Doug, it, it sounds like too. Um, I think it would be important to understand. You know what? What is the whole um, goal of the of the group and of the meeting? You know, if if it's to study scripture, um, then I think you know if someone's speaking in tongues, then it is important that there's an interpretation, there's an explanation, and we know what's what is being said. Uh, because Paul said, if if it doesn't, then it's it's unfruitful to the rest of us. Um, you know, it's it's equal to a waste of time, really, because we we don't know what's being said. Um, you know, Paul made it very plain, very plain in First Corinthians fourteen that he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks to God and not to men, um, and that's why uh, Paul would encourage people who have that gift. Uh, to use it uh, in a time of prayer alone with the Lord, I, I believe that's that's all correct. Um, now, you know, if if the Bible study was about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and there was an opportunity for people to be filled with the Spirit and for people to exercise gifts and things like that, if that was the goal uh, of the meeting. Um, you know, at our church through the years, we've had belie- what we call believers meetings or afterglow meetings where we do just that. Um, but it's, but it's not chaotic and, and, and it's not, uh, unbiblical or we follow the rules of first Corinthians 14, you know, and, and those were always, you know, smaller gatherings, not, not uh, a full church service. Um, but anyway, I think that would be important, 
Um, and Doug, I would just encourage you um, that if this is something that is continuing, that, that if this is something that wasn't happening and now it's continuing to happen, like it happened once, now it's happening all the time. Uh, it may just it may just be a little wildfire. It may be just you know people excited that it happened once and let's do it again. You know, people always kind of want to relive. Uh, wonderful times of revival or times of the spirit moving. And, and sometimes when we do that, we can get in the flesh and, and try to make things happen. Um, and that's always uncomfortable for, for everybody. Um, but I think it would, it would be important, um, that if, if you feel as part of the group that, um, you know, the goal of the group is getting off course to maybe go to the leader, you know, in love and in a yep. very humble spirit and just say, hey, can I ask you some questions? You know, why are we doing this now when this is what we're supposed to be doing? And 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 bring these things up. And because uh, I know as a leader, I would appreciate that if somebody did that for me. So, Amen. And, and, and we want to do that. We want to we want to. Um, you know, the Bible says if, if, if and, and I think that would be good. I would just say. You know, teacher, you know, why, you know, this is what First Corinthians chapter 14 says, what say you? And and I would ask him and, and just see what he says. And and I think not in an accusatory attitude, but rather, hey, I, I want to learn this, but it appears that there's a contradiction here. So, and, and I think, Doug, it's always a good way to go to just, uh, I really appreciate it when someone comes to me and says, hey, you're doing something I don't understand when you explain it to me then you can explain it to them. And I, I think that's always a good thing. Uh, so I hope that helps. It's a small prayer group of five men. And um, that's two are, are speaking in tongues quite a bit, by you know, kind of in their own way, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I know do it in the right way, the right time, the right direction, and the right, uh, those four things are right. Just to get it, you know, yeah, I know, I just can't, it's got to be the, the God's timing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, well, I would go and just talk to him about it. But being in a small group like that with just four people, I, I think that that probably the, the leader probably thinks people understand what's happening. And I have no trouble being in a small group of four people with some people praying in tongues. Not at all. Because the Bible says when they're uh, in in the spirit, they're speaking mysteries. And I don't know what that is exactly. In fact, the Bible even talks about praying in groanings. And I've seen situations people have asked me to pray for. And after they tell me, I just go, well, Lord, let's pray. Oh, man. I mean, where do you, you don't even know what to say. It's so overwhelming. So, no, I, I think that that may be part of what it is, Duggan. I would just talk to them and let them help you with that. But I don't see anything wrong in a group of, of especially close brothers being in fellowship, praying um, in the spirit, uh, uh, and not necessarily having an interpretation there. But uh, certainly, you can say, "Boy, I'd, I'd sure like to know what we're what we're praying about right now." Maybe somebody will have that interpretation there in the group that prayed in tongues. So, I hope that helps. Oh yeah, it does a lot. It opened up my, you know, like what you were saying earlier about that. It's not interpreting to another language, but it's interpreting to what's going on. Yes, and you'll find that in an old King James Bible. The word is different between interpret and interpretation. When the word interpretation, it means to, to explain fully. 
We're out of time, everyone. Mike, please call us back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. Thanks for being on the air, Scott. God bless you all. Good night. Ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes Store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash TEMA. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 